Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. You knew for certain that God was absolutely listening, guaranteed to hear you. What would be your one prayer? That is a revealing question. I mean, it doesn't come around often. It tells a lot about you. But if you were guaranteed, you knew for an absolute fact that God would hear and respond to one prayer, what would that be for you? If you're like the people that Tom met in the street in Morristown this week, I'm guessing our prayers would range from the profound to the pathetic, right? You had some people like world peace, profound, unlimited shoes, pathetic, right? That's kind of life. Um, last week, I was just kind of taking note of my own prayers, and um, they ran the gamut as well. I prayed for my father. Some of you know he has cancer. He has lymphoma, and he's a cancer survivor. And although he's doing well, his cancer actually is still in remission. He has to go for monthly medical scans. And so every uh, month when that rolls around, my mom kind of sends out an email, and we get down on our knees, and we pray, God bless dad, keep him in remission, bring him to health and, and, you know, profound life and death. Uh, On the other hand, you know, on the same breath, I probably found myself being like, Lord, don't let it rain on our vacation, you know, like pathetic, just like, you know, be our weatherman, you know, like help me find my keys, just trivial stuff. And the question is, does God hear both of those prayers? Or does he even distinguish between the two? Because most of us in this room, whether you are a devout believer or you are skeptical about this whole God thing, at some point this week, you likely have prayed. If you're an average American, according to a Gallup poll, actually, more Americans will pray this week than will exercise, drive a car, go to work, or have sex, which in itself might be something to pray about. I don't know. Just that's the way the poll is. But our prayers are all over the map. Some of them are profound. Maybe you pray for guidance in your job or direction, your relationship. Help me find a spouse, God. I've been waiting. Save my marriage. Give me career direction. Um, Protection, healing, profound stuff. But some of them are, are, I don't want to say pathetic, but they're trivial, you know, like, you know, bless the Celtics, you know, like what, you know, mundane stuff of life. You don't even have to be a believer to kind of actually take a, take a shot at prayer, particularly religious. I was talking um, this spring with a friend who was a surgeon. He actually, uh, we know each other through our kids' school. And he's a doctor, he is actually a surgeon, and he found out that I was a pastor, and we got talking, we're staying in the backyard of his party, and he, and, he, and he performs this very specific kind of surgery, he's an expert in his field, and in the surgery that he performs, he, he leans over, he says, well, you know, let me, let me tell you something about it, he goes, actually, I've never told anybody this, he said, well, I can confide in you, you're a priest, and, uh, I, and he's like, right, and I was like, close enough, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> He goes, here's the thing, he goes, when I open my patient up, he goes, literally, he goes, it's not an exotic surgery, but typically there's one of two ways for me to perform that operation, but you can't tell which is the right way until later on. And he goes, and this is where it gets weird. He goes, I've stopped at that moment and kind of pause. And I don't know if like, this is what you would call prayer, but I go, God, show me the right way. Do you think he's listening? And, um, and I was like, if I'm your patient, I hope he's listening, you know? <laughs> He goes, well, that's the weird part. He goes, he goes nine times out of ten, he goes, I, I, I get a sense of which way to go. He goes, and nine times out of ten, I encounter a complication where if I had not chosen that way, it might have gone, you know, poorly, he goes. And he goes, I, I think that's God. What do you think? I was like, I think that's God too. And, um, you know, it's an amazing thing, and that's significant. But, but, but what do you pray about? I mean, how many of you actually, how many of you prayed this past week? What, what, what is the kind of stuff you prayed about? Yell it out. What would you pray about? Nothing, you're phonies. No, come on. What did you pray on? What are some of the things? Oh, safe return home. 
School to be over. Thank you. Woo, we're in finals, right? You pray about relationships, work, all sorts of stuff, unspoken stuff, maybe stuff you've never even actually verbalized or put words to. If you're typical, all types of prayers went up. And, and maybe you're like me, a different types of prayers depending on the time of day. In the morning, maybe you do a drive-by prayer. Um, in the morning when you get up and it's like you have good intentions, you're like, I'm going to spend time with God, but you don't have any time. So you just get in your car and like between commercials, you know, you turn it down and like, okay, God, got my back today. You know, you kind of drive-by prayer just kind of out of, uh, you know, the sunroof on the way to work. Or maybe you, you pray only at certain times, like when tr- and things trigger you, like, you know, before a meal, like, oh, you know, we should pray, you know, something. I call those gazuntite prayers because it's like something happens that triggers, you know, oh, God bless you, you know, you, you, you pray. It's unthinking kind of a ritual. Uh, my little kids are learning this from Liquid Kids. Bobby's teaching them how to pray. You know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food, you know, and, and then they, you know, argue, no, I want to pray, I want to pray, you know, and it's like, all right, stop, it's just ritual for them. Um, but maybe you only pray when you're in a crisis. Uh, I call those foxhole prayers. It's kind of like, get me out of this mess, right? When you screw up at work, then you pray. When your relationship takes a curveball and goes off the rails, when your kids go off the wall or your business tanks, then I get all religious. You know, they say there's like no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Um, I actually saw a bumper sticker recently, those of you who are, are students, that said, as long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in schools. And uh, that's, that, that's, uh, that's true. You guys remember Charlie Brown's teacher? What she sound like? Wah, 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 wah. Maybe you pray, but it's just not, you go through the same words, there's just not a lot of meaning. You kind of like, it's not very alive, and it just sounds like, I don't even know if anyone is listening to this. Sometimes we wonder that. I was in a life group one time, maybe you're in a small group, great group of people actually, close friends. But we would always close that group with, with time for prayer. And it was incredible. Because whenever we said, all right, let's pray, what do you want to pray about? And we would literally go around and it was like this four course menu of diseases, ailments, and sicknesses. I call this the ER prayer. We'd go around and, and it would be like, my sister's back, yeah, my uncle's prostate, oh, my sciatic is acting up. We just go around and it was like, all, all it was prayer was about was physical ailments elements, just say them out loud, and we're going to ask God to heal them. Or maybe you had a list. That's how I was taught growing up in our church. It was like you made a list. So we call this stop and shop praying. You kind of make a grocery list. Like, God, remember this. I think I should like that. I'd, oh, you, know, you can kind of pick the things off, help me find a new job, all this. And you go down this list telling God what you need. And the problem is, is it's kind of like, you know, supermarket shopping. You got to do it, but it's kind of numbing. And all you want to do is get, get out, you know, get to the checkout, ask all these things in your name, and then done, you know? You ever fall into any of these ruts? You know, again, most of us need kind of a jump start on our, on our prayer life. And that's what our new series, One Prayer, is really all about. I am so excited um, about this series because I actually have a prayer of my own this summer. Um, it's that our, the spiritual life of our church would actually not go on vacation in the summer because that's when most people kind of check out. But actually God's Spirit would do something fresh and revitalize us at a deep place because this is no ordinary series. In fact, we are just one church of literally over a thousand churches across the world that are going to be participating in a simultaneous series called One Prayer this June. And through this month, we're going to come together and actually pray and fast alongside thousands of other believers across the world. We're going to ask God to actually bring us together. Could you actually make us one and respond mightily to our one prayers? I think one of the reasons so many of us kind of, you know, flail and stink at praying at times is because it's a solitary experience. So with one prayer, we're going to come together with other churches and say, God, renew us at the corporate level um, that transcends, you know, denominations and all that. And, and, and at the individual level as well. Now, next week, we'll talk about corporate, about the church. But today, we want to start personal with you. Uh, according to the Bible, there was a time when God and man walked together in the garden one-on-one as friends. They just talked. Conversation with God was as natural and normal as breathing. 
But somewhere along the way, it's kind of gotten obscured or overgrown, and that connection has been lost for some of us. Think of it this way. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you own cell phones? Pretty much everybody. If your connection with God were like a cell phone plan, how would you rate your service? Where would you put yourself, for instance, on this scale? There are all types of calling plans. At the bottom, maybe you have a zero dial time. It's like, eh, you've never prayed before in your life. Someone dragged you here. You're at the bar having a drink. You're like, is there a club upstairs? What is this? Uh, you don't even know kind of what this is. Or maybe nights and weekends, you pray in your spare time like you had a great weekend, started Friday night, and now it's Sunday night, so I guess I should do something religious, and now I pray. And, 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 you know, lay me down to sleep. And then the rest of the week goes until Sunday. You only do it when it's convenient for you. Or maybe you're at like a level three out of area caller. I pray about certain areas of my life, but not really others, you know. Or maybe you have a clear signal, but it goes through dead spots. How many of you have Verizon? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There are times in your spiritual life where you feel like, I have felt where I'm like, I am, I am deeply connected to God. I had this like two weeks ago. Surprise, I was on vacation. And I felt like I could hear his voice very clearly to me. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, dead spot. And there are weeks where just like, I don't even know if, if he's hearing any of this. Or, or maybe you have reliable roaming. This is interesting. I was talking with somebody who said, that's actually me. It doesn't matter where I am. Where, I don't pray like at the beginning of the day and then like at a meal or at the end. I talk to God all the time. Wherever I go throughout the day, I'm, I'm like talking with him and I, I hear his voice. I sense it and he impacts and influences things I say and what I do. And maybe you're, you know, Mother Teresa, you have a secure line, you know, you're yeah, like a hotline to heaven kind of thing. You probably don't even need to be here. Where would you put yourself right in this? How many would say that you are, are five or above, five or uh, above kind of, okay? Which, wow, which means about 80% of us are five or below, okay? The reality is most of us, if we were honest about it, feel tremendous guilt about our prayer life. It's typically in the summer, the season that people check out spiritually, but really what we want to do is say, could we come together as one church and reestablish contact with God if you've lost your signal or if things are going well for you, would you be willing to come alongside other believers or the rest of God's people who really could use your help? I think the reason that many of us struggle to maintain this vibrant prayer life is that while prayer is like simple and conflict, you know, and con- like it's just like talk with God, um, it's very difficult in practice. Um, I, if it were me, I would add a few prayers to my list. I struggle with ADD praying. Um, and you have this little bit of problem. You like bow your head and start praying, and then all of a sudden you start hyperlinking to like all sorts of stuff. You know, I'm, I did, literally this week I was like praying for some people on staff. I was like, God, just bless Mike. He's an incredible friend who he like owes me 20 bucks. He totally, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't want to be just Mel, but he's stiff net friendly. We're having ice cream, you know, and I'm eating too much ice cream. I got to go on a diet. I, this job is stressing me out. Steve Jobs, there's a new iPhone coming out next week. Where is that? And he's like, hey, you know, you start out in one place and all of a sudden you end up 72 paces later and your mind is, you can't even concentrate. Or, or maybe your mind actually, you wish it were kind of that active because because you actually, you, you struggle with, um, I just call it Lunesta prayer. Um, you know what Lunesta is? That little sleeping aid butterfly, right? It's, the minute you pray, dear God, <laughs> And it puts you right to sleep. It's the quickest way. It's no wonder so many people find prayer difficult. Um, none of those habits are easy to maintain. None are very life-giving. But what I want to do is look today at how Jesus taught his followers to pray. Because these were people who grew up in a religious tradition. And they knew how to pray. They knew how to say their prayers, as it were. But they were constantly asking Jesus, we see something different in you. Lord, teach us how to pray. Because we notice when you talk to God, this is like totally different 
then like going through the motions or ritual, it's like personal with you. It's like you hear the Father's voice. Yeah, don't you hear it? No. Teach us how to pray. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Because this precedes the Lord's Prayer. We kind of always get to that because we like to follow formulas. But Jesus actually, he, he, he addresses some things way before he even gets to the Lord's Prayer. This is on page 672. Um, and, and notice what he starts out. He starts saying in verse 5, he starts out with a simple phrase. And when you pray, notice it says, when you pray, not if you pray. In other words, it's his assumption that prayer is the normal, recurring, just regular activity throughout the day of every follower of God. He just assumes it there. He says, when you pray, don't be like the what? Hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. It's all for show. I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, there it is again, don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they'll be heard because there are many, many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And one of the shocking truths of this passage is that a lot of what we think our prayers, according to Jesus, don't even qualify as true communication with God. I remember once hearing a pastor say, well, you know, God hears every word, no matter how insignificant. It's actually not true, according to verse 5. Because Jesus cites, he's like, there's a, I, he kind of calls it like the Broadway prayer. He's like, God doesn't hear that. You know what Broadway prayer does? It's kind of the public prayer made to look good. You stick around church long enough, you will see this. Their prayers done primarily for one audience. Everybody who's listening, not God, but you. I want to show off how much I know and how much you don't, right? I was one time in a, a, a group growing up, and um, I will never forget this because someone said, uh, can we have Lou pray? And it was amazing. Because it wasn't actually Lou, so, you know, just, sorry, you sat in the front row, dude. You know, it's actually amazing because he stood up. He said, yes, let's bow our heads, please. Father, we thank you for the continued sanctification of everyone in your presence. And started using those, you know, sanctification kind of words. And then he did this. He said, we beseech you at this moment to bless Donna and her fiancé who really are seeming to struggle with purity at this moment. <laughs> little theology, little gossip, just mix it all on in. And then he started kind of preaching. He's like, Lord, we know the Psalms say you desire purity at the inmost parts. Would you bless their inmost parts? And... Um, Give them a renewed commitment to propriety. And it was just kind of this thing where he, he was very aware of everybody but God was listening and he had a message for people. And Jesus is like, nope, actually that's not even prayer at all. That bounces off the ceilings. My father's not interested in them. Religious people who pray like that actually have received their reward in full. Instead, he says something interesting in verse 6. Look at this. But when you pray, what? Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen, then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. In other words, prayer isn't for other people, but for you and your Father. And that's a very interesting word that Jesus uses here. Notice he uses the word Father four times in quick succession. Would you go ahead and circle this in your Bible? In verses 5 through 9, you're going to see, pray to your Father, then your Father. Don't be like them. Your Father knows. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. This is highly significant. Because before Jesus even gets into like what kind of stuff you should pray for, He's like, you got to get this. Prayer is primarily a relationship of dependency between an all-perfect Father and His all-needy children. 
And as with any sort of two-way communication, you've got to understand, like, who's listening and who's God according to Jesus? He's like, he is your loving father. And the word father here, by the way, is imperfect. It's a translation. The original Aramaic word that Jesus used for father begins with an A. Does anyone know what it is? Abba. Yes, 70s disco. Abba is best translated in our language as daddy. It is one of the most tender, personal, and childlike names by which to call somebody. And if you understand the ancient Jewish culture that Jesus was living in, you would discover he was inviting his followers to do something unprecedented, something revolutionary, to refer to the creator of the universe by the name Papa. And it was unheard of. In the Old Testament, Hebrew people had respect and reverence, such fear of God, they wouldn't even dare spell out his name. You see, see that sometimes with Orthodox Jews. I have a friend who's an Orthodox Jew. They spell God G and slash D. They omit the middle letter out of reverence for fear of becoming too casual or familiar. With the creator of the universe, you don't call him Daddy. That doesn't, you know, come on. But here comes Jesus in Matthew 6. Look at verse 9. He goes like, my father, I want you to begin your prayers this way. Our Abba, who is in heaven... And you realize four times he's like, Father, Papa, Abba, Daddy, call him it. For starters, it's a father connection, intimate with his beloved child. And you get why people had a problem with this. I mean, in the Old Testament, smoke and lightning preceded God's presence. If you touched the mountain on which you met, you know, Moses met him, you were struck dead. <laughs> and Israelites kept their distance. And the idea of like speaking directly to God himself, that was like a non-starter. You have to have a priest. You have to have like a kind of an operator. You connect me to God. If you want an audience with him, you have to get somebody else to do it. Uh, if you were raised Catholic, you might identify with that. I mean, it's kind of a tricky arrangement because like, well, if I want to get personal and intimate with you, but I have to go through him, how does like that work? And suddenly Jesus appears on the scene in Matthew and he says, oh, no, 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 no. Now that I've arrived, everything has changed. You can talk directly with your father, just like you're talking face to face with me. Wink, wink. The only requirement is that you relate to your father as a child relates to her trustworthy papa or daddy, Abba. And folks, if you honestly want to move your, 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 we can all do prayer out of guilt and out of obligation. You want to move it to the point where you would want to talk, you have to experience him as your all-loving father, your Abba. And if that's a foreign concept to you, you've never related to God in an intimate or personal way, the good news is Jesus, Jesus came to provide a way to do that. I mean, if you go back to our prayer scale, if you're somewhere down there in that kind of dial tone, you, you've never made that connection. It, it's like the easy. It's the easiest thing to do, but it takes tremendous humility because it's actually saying, Jesus, I, I need God. I want God. I want a heavenly father. I need. But, but I mean, sin. When we talk sin, there's a fancy way of saying, you know, all the ways that we have broken connection with God, that's what sin is. But Jesus, I believe my Abba loved me enough to send you to die and rise again so you could reconnect me with him. To actually be made right with God and, the, and to get on God's calling plan. That's literally all you do. You literally say, Jesus, I believe, I trust that Abba sent you to restore my connection with him. 48 people, men and women last week, prayed that prayer prior to being baptized. Can we actually acknowledge those people who were baptized last week? Absolutely incredible. They, they were not... 
They were not baptized so they could be saved or be accepted by God. They were baptized because they were saying, I am, I am now a child of God. I trusted in Jesus. I have new life because of what he's done for me. And that's why they were baptized. And so the reality is, is that Jesus came to reconnect us to Abba. And when he does, something incredible happens, the Bible says. Your identity literally begins undergoing this change, this metamorphosis. Because no longer are you kind of on this do not call list, kind of like a strange, but we're literally adopted into God's family. In spiritual terms, we literally become his sons and daughters. Check this out. John 1, 12 through 13 puts it this way. It says, but to all who believe Jesus accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God, of Abba. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes through God. In other words, he reconnects us to Abba. We enter his family and he becomes our heavenly father. But now hear this, not just any father. I understand that's a troublesome word for a lot of us. Many of us did not come, did not have perfect earthly fathers. Far from that. I mean, what was your dad like? Maybe he was distant. Maybe he was detached. Maybe he was, maybe, maybe he was missing. Maybe he wasn't even there. Or maybe you wish he hadn't been there because maybe he was harsh or violent, or, or, or judgmental, or, or dis, disproving. Abba, Jesus isn't like, God is like the best earthly father, only like on steroids, 10 to the max. No! He's like, you don't even have the depths of understanding to understand that this kind of Abba, daddy love is like. He desires to embrace and accept you as you are, not as you should be, flaws and all. Only as a doting father is capable of, until you experience him like that. And that tenderness of ways, your prayer life will never get off the ground. That's why Jesus is he's getting at by mentioning it four times in his introduction on, on prayer. I'm going to let you in on something kind of personal. Uh, when I got my first cell phone about five years ago, I saved a few voicemails um, that were special to me. Um, did anyone else save voicemails on, on your phone? Okay, good. I'm not a freak. Okay. Thank you. You can tell which relationships are, are, are valuable to you by which voicemails that, that people save. And I just want to play just, just two quick ones for you because whenever I hear these, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I want you to listen carefully because the first one is from my daughter, Chase. It actually records the first words she ever spoke. It was when she was 18 months old. Tommy, you want to play that voicemail? This message will be saved for 18 days. Next message. Listen to what she says. <laughs> Did you hear it? Da da, ah ba. Linguists will tell us. Well, the only reason they do that, that's a physiological reaction. They have a soft palate. It's easy for them to say, no, no. My Colleen was so upset, by the way, when she said that, because she's like, I carry around for nine months. And she doesn't say mama, she says dada first. I'm like, yep, and I got the voicemail to prove it, you know? And, and, and there's the heart-rending tenderness that Jesus tells us we are to relate and never leave with our daddy God in prayer. 18 months later, I got a second voicemail. Actually, this is when she was starting to put sentences together. Go ahead and, and play that, Tom. This message will be saved for 18 days. Next message. Hi, guys. Hey, I love you. All right. I say I love those you. voices Hi, guys. Yeah, Not for you, an illustration in a message. I, love I you. saved them for six years. Do they love you? And every Hi. time I'd have to go through my voicemail, I'd, I'd have to listen to them. And I, you have to have a heart of stone. Not to be moved by that. And that, 
What father doesn't long to hear the words, Hi, Daddy, I love you, is a beautiful and incredible thing, and I understand it's rare in our world, when you see a healthy father-child relationship. There's actually a picture of my daughter Chase and I at a wedding reception. We were dancing on the dance floor, and, uh, and she was like, Put me on your shoulders, and, and kind of have a big taffeta everywhere around us. It's unusual, it's rare, especially when you see kind of a, a masculine guy. I think of Mike Leahy, all six foot ten of them, the first time I met Mike, I was at his house, and I walked in, and, and his girls were there, and they were into a little mermaid phase, and he was wearing a feather boa and a mermaid crown. <laughs> he loves those girls. Here in Matthew 6, this is unprecedented, because no one in organized religion ever dared address God with that kind of tenderness and familiarity. My daddy, my Abba, my, my papa, and yet this is precisely how Jesus spoke with him in all of his prayers and his conversation. And he intended it to topple all previous conceptions of what our Heavenly Father is truly like and how, how approachable he is, not distant, and how intimate a relationship we could actually hope to have with him. And folks, this is vital if you want to reestablish direct connection. I saved those voicemails for five years. Why? Because they're the people closest to my heart. There's actually one other I saved because I won't even play it for you because it would be weird. It's actually from my dad. He, he, he sent a voicemail like two years ago. It was my birthday. He's like, uh, hello, uh, Tim. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Let you know I'm, uh, I'm really, really proud of you. I was like, oh, safe, you know. Like, and it's not because like, it's all insecurity or something like that. But to hear the words of love and approval and acceptance at the deepest level, this is what your heart was made for. This is the connection. This is what happens in prayer. And until you get that, it will always be something out of obligation or out of guilt. But when we think prayer is filling God in about stuff, prayer is predominantly being in God's presence and letting him fill us up with his Abba love. And when that happens, prayer is no longer a duty. It becomes a delight. It becomes something you actually run to. And this is the secret foundation of prayer, folks. You have to establish that connection to find that relationship. And according to Jesus, he's like, it's stunning. He's like, in prayer... The all-powerful, sovereign of the universe, the one who created the cosmos, calls the stars by name, measures out the universe in the breadth of his hand, stops what he's doing, and delights in his beloved children. And that is a crazy thing to think about. The best way to kind of... I mean, an all-powerful father deriving pleasure from his children's, you know, tininess and the silliness. I came across a great picture that I think captures this incredible reality. Does everyone know who this is? That's John F. Kennedy um, in 1962 in the Oval Office, and that is his son, John John, peeking out from the knee-hole panel in his desk in the Oval Office. Put it back up there. I want to see that. Um, This was amazing because Kennedy actually had a policy when he moved into the Oval Office. He said, there will be nobody on my staff, I don't even care if it's the chief of staff, who gets through into my Oval Office without being on the appointment book prior. I don't want any foreign official. I don't want any senator. I don't want any visiting dignitary. Nobody has permission to just come into my office. They have to go through filters, except for two people, my son and my daughter. And that is a picture in the corner here of actually Caroline and John John. And he said, they have an all-access invitation to interrupt me at any time. Do you know when this photo was snapped? Anyone know? Two hours after he got off the phone negotiating the Cuban Missile Crisis, his children came bursting in when the world was on the brink of nuclear disaster, Castro in America, and his children came in and said, everyone out of the room, come here guys, come here. And they were doing somersaults and showing them a little jig that they put together. And you see his face and he's delighting in them. That's a picture of, of, of prayer, of God in us. It's not 
just the leader of the free world who holds nuclear future in his hands. But the creator of the universe, responsible for sustaining it, says, come here into my presence. I delight in you. Nothing is more important than this. I'm going to shower and sh- I delight in you. Everything revolves around it. Andrew Murray um, writes that it is in prayer and its answer that the interchange of love between the father and his child takes place. It's the prayer that God has given the right to take hold of him and his strength. God's immensity and power and our, our smallness and our frailty are actually not incompatible. When Jesus is like, I want you to call him Abba, he's saying he is not too busy. He does not have more important things on his mind. How do I put this? The very hairs in your head are numbered. You are guaranteed his ear as his beloved child. Here's my question. What would you pray if you believed that? If you were absolutely certain that God was listening, what would be your one prayer? In your bulletin today, we placed a card for you with that precise question. Would you pull that out right there? If you knew for certain that God embraced and accepted you as an Abba Father, you were guaranteed to hear you, what would you write? What would you write in the back of this card? Take your pen. I want to give you a chance to do that, to write your one prayer there. Um, we're going to collect these at all of our services. You'll notice we almost have a thousand of them so far. We're going to be putting them up today, tonight on a prayer wall, kind of a candle wall over there. But through this series, we're going to have thousands of prayers. And Jesus is like, it doesn't matter how small things you might be. It's not too trivial. Your finances, your relationships, your career direction. Maybe even those, those prayers you haven't even expressed to anybody. Abba is the person. All of our interest to your heavenly father. In fact, Jesus actually reveals to us in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Look at this. this. This is the one that really is like, your father, Abba, he knows what you need. When? Even before you ask him. I mean, catch that. Even before we ourselves even like know what to ask with all our mixed motivations, God has an answer already prepared for us to receive. And notice that the phrasing here is actually what you need, not what your father knows what you want before you ask. And he says, your father knows what you need. In other words, what's a perfect and good and loving gift to help grow you? And it's not always what we want, okay? If you knew for certain that God was listening, what would be your one prayer? And every single prayer on, in this room online is valued by God because he knows what we need. Even when we lack the words to express it. I'll get personal again. This is my uh, prayer journal. It's actually a journal I record all sorts of stuff. And it's stuff that I see God doing. Um, prayer, stuff I'm wrestling with him about and whatever. And um, this is interesting because um, I, I, I tracked something that happened recently and just tried to track it all the way back to where it began. And it took me back almost three years, something that is happening this week that I'm, I'm going to share with you in a moment. But it took me back three years. Um, three years ago, we started putting the weekly liquid messages that we do here on iTunes. You know, we just post them on there just because it was free. We could put those messages on it. Anyone could download them. And what happened was, this was I, I saved this actually in my journal, is we started getting emails, kind of weird emails, emails from people not in New Jersey, not even the United States, but this one is from England. And, and listen to this. It says, Dear Tim, this is the first email we've ever gotten at Liquid from someone, uh, you know, across the sea. Dear Tim, my name's Roger. I live in York, England, and I want to thank you for your messages on porn in the Bible, which I've just finished listening to for the third time. Since I've listened to the messages, it's been like a blindfold that's been taken off me. And I've been set free because I've been hooked on porn since I was 14 years old. I'm now 31. I'm married with three kids, and my marriage has been a wreck from day one. Even though we're both Christians, I stopped going to church three years ago. 
I was so hooked I had to look on the net every day. In the past 18 months, I'd look at my mobile phone if I couldn't get to my computer. Well, in March this year, I went live. I had an affair with a girl at work. My wife forgave me, but I was still hooked and the marriage was still bad. Well, on Tuesday, the 29th of November, I decided to download some erotic stories from iTunes. So I typed in the browser bar, sex, and up came this thing called Porn in the Bible podcast. And I thought, there's a new take on it. We had done the series on pornography. Here at Liquid, we did this five-week series, and, uh, and we put it up there on iTunes just under, like, sexuality and stuff, and uh, it was actually called Porn Again. And, uh, and, listen, <laughs> and he said, I downloaded that, and I have listened to it now for the third time in as many weeks. I have not looked at porn since the 29th, which is truly amazing, because next week I am going into Christian counseling. God truly works in mysterious ways. We will likely never meet, but I want to thank you. Thank you and Liquid. I feel like a new creation. Sincerely, your brother, Roger, York, England. And that was amazing. I remember getting up being like, what? That's a, God, what, what are you doing? That, that's incredible. Well, more and more of these emails started to actually kind of come in. And uh, then we got contacted by the company that hosts our podcast. They're called HipCast. And uh, they host our, our podcast online. And we remember getting the call because they said, um, yeah, I want to talk to the guy who's putting up porn in the Bible. And uh, we're like, yeah, that's just a thing. They're like, what do you do? And we're like, we're a church. They're like, okay, whatever. Your church, uh, you know, actually, I've got good news and bad news. I was like, what's the good news? They go, well, the, the thing is, you get, you get four gigs every week kind of of download streaming, but you'll notice actually 400 gigs is being downloaded every week. And I was like, I don't even know what that, what that really means. They said, that means that the messages about 1,000 a day are being downloaded. That's 7,000 a week. I was like, wow, that's a lot. They're like, that's 28,000 a month. Wow, that's almost 400,000 a year for this porn in the Bible church thing you're doing. And, um, and I was like, wow, that's a lot. They're like, yeah, you owe us some money. That's the bad news. We had been paying $7 a month to put this on. They're like, it would actually, to pay for all the people downloading, it would almost be $1,700. And we're like, oh, we're not a church. You know, <laughs> we're like, oh, man. And they, it was good because they, they, they said, it's not a problem, but, you know, we'll put you on a big band user. What we found was that over a year's time, almost a million downloads of messages had been made from Liquid. And we we're like, this is strange. And more emails came in. People are responding to this. And so here was my prayer. Let me skip forward one year. Read it to you verbatim. God, you're obviously up to something. You're changing lives. I don't know what you're doing, and I have no idea what to do about it. Listen to my prayer. Father, please connect the dots. That was literally my prayer almost, almost two years ago. Pretty imprecise prayer. I mean, connect the dots. I didn't know what it means. And I didn't pray it out loud, really. I just wrote it here in my journal. So months later, I get an email from this guy in Australia. His name is Dave Adamson. He says he and his wife, Meg, have been listening to podcasts, kind of vibing with what we're doing here in, in Morristown. And, I, you know, at this time, we were just getting a lot of emails, so I didn't think much of it. But he's pesky. And so he keeps emailing. And he emails Mike. And he's like, I'm a pastor of a church plant in Melbourne, Australia. We want to do that outflow series that you guys did at Liquid in Morristown last summer. Remember that when we served the city? And we're like, that's awesome. Go for it. And so they did an outflow series and served the city of Melbourne. And all the while, Connect the Dots is going on in the background. Well, all these requests kept coming in, and, and, and lo and behold, who calls us? He keeps calling us, this pesky guy from Australia, Dave Adamson. And he said, I just need to tell you guys, here's the deal. I'm flying over to Connecticut, Bristol, Connecticut, for an interview at ESPN. I'm a part-time pastor and a full-time sports reporter. He kind of does like Australian rules football, which is basically street fighting with a ball. And um, 
So we got talking and we're like, well, how is it that like you even you, you just listen to these things? And he's like, no, actually, if people come over on Sundays and we watch and we're starting to like listen it together and watch and do a study during the week. And we're like, this is so strange. How do you connect them? He said, well, I've got all sorts of idea. And we're like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had someone who had like a background in like TV and media and pastoring? And, and, and he's like, well, that's kind of what I do. Okay, flip to February, this February in my journal. I will read this for you now. Connect the dots. Father, I can't believe it. Dave and Meg Adamson are flying here 21,000 miles from Melbourne to Morristown to visit us at Liquid Church to see if this might be a God thing. I don't know what you have in mind, God, but Father, connect the dots. There's the line again. And even visiting New Jersey was tough because they have three little girls under the age of seven, but they did it on faith. And they came. Some of you met them. We established a connection in our Mike and Dave and our management team, we, we were like, is God up to something? Is it possible that he knows what we need even before we do and he's connecting the dots? Well, from that one prayer, connect the dots, an incredible thing is about to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave and Meg Adamson. Uh, we're Dave and Nick. Uh, we're from Melbourne, Australia. We started listening to Liquid online uh, probably about nine months ago. We uh, have a friend who recommended that we, we listen to it, and, and I've been podcasting for a, a long time, a lot of churches, and, and somebody suggested we podcast Liquid. And the first thing that struck me about Liquid was probably um, the height of Tim's hair. I mean, that just stands out, yeah? Stands out big time. It's just it's right up there, right up there. <laughs> When I first started uh, emailing Tim, he mentioned that there are something like 7,000 people who either listen or watch um, Liquid each week online. That's a huge number when you, when you think about it. And, it. and they're centered in all sorts of places around the world, from, from Australia to Europe um, and different parts of the US as well. And Tim started talking to me about the possibility of, of Liquid having an internet campus. And that really, really appealed to me. You know, back, back home in Australia, I'm a, I'm a sports reporter on TV. And Meg and I had been for some time trying to find a, a, an occupation, a job that would mix what the skills that God has given me in my hands to achieve the vision that he's placed on my heart. Um, from Melbourne, Victoria, I grew up in Geelong. Premiers, AFL, last year. I have three kids, Chelsea seven, Ella's four, and Jordan's three. Um, the best thing about being their mum is that they love me unconditionally. There's no limit to the amount of kisses and cuddles that I get every day. And um, I couldn't ask for three better kids. So Meg and I were wondering what uh, God might have in store for us for the future. And uh, I wrote Tim an email just to get some advice. and. Two phone calls later, he started talking about the internet campus stuff, um, about 30 emails backwards and forwards. I met Dave and Mike, and we had a Skype interview, and one thing you know, led to another, and we're here. we're here in New Jersey. Haven't seen Bon Jovi yet, though, so... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome Dave Adamson all the way. Man, stuff, brother. It's so thrilling to hear. Awesome. I mean, this is how God connected the dots from our perspective. I'm kind of curious what it looked like from your end, 18, 20,000 miles away. Well, it looked uh, a lot different because <laughs> I didn't realize I was such a pest. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't realise I was a st- I was stalking Sorry. you, but. Um, <laughs> Now, Meg and I had been uh, really, really uh, going through some changes in our life and trying to work out what the next step for us would be. And we had uh, felt, well, we'd, we'd really come to believe that God had called us to get our stuff together and be prepared to go to a place that he would show us. Um, the last thing we expected was that that place would be Morristown, New Jersey. But, I mean, here we are. Here you are. Still haven't seen Bon Jovi either. <laughs> well, we'll work on that. Um, at the time, you were pastoring and a sports reporter? Yeah, I, uh, I guess full-time as a sports reporter working for a show called Sports Tonight, which is, I guess, the Australian equivalent of ESPN Sports Centre. And then one day a week I would be an assistant pastor and you know, do the preaching thing and, and leading worship and stuff like that. Awesome. Now, you have three girls, actually four girls, but three of them under the age. you got uh, Ella, Jordan, Chelsea, four, five, and seven. So this was a pretty significant move, uprooting your family and coming over to New Jersey. Yeah, it sure was. You know, we, we've only been here three weeks now, and we're still not used to New Jersey traffic yet. So, um, You'll never will. No, I think that'll take a lot longer than three <laughs> weeks. But, yeah, it was a huge move. But, uh, you know, we really believe that this is what, what God had prepared for us. So, What were you guys, because, I mean, that's huge. Everyone always goes like, oh, well, I'll have to pray about it. I mean, moving across the country. What were, like, the confirmations that you kind of look for along the way? Because, I mean, you can never get 100%. Well, you know, just getting a first email back from you was a, was a big step. And then Tim and I ended up speaking on the phone. And, and so they, they were, God was stirring something then. Then when we came over here for a week, you know, we really had been praying that God would make it crystal clear that this is what we're meant to do or this is what we weren't not to do. Um, but God doesn't work like that for me. I don't get 100% clarity. Um, Meg and I, when we left Morristown um, in February, we were flying back on the pr- plane and I said to her, you know, I've been praying about this and wondering what God wants from us. And I have to admit, I'm probably 80%. I, I can't get like 100%. It's 80%. It's almost, yeah, I think this is what we should do. Yeah. And, you know, Meg said, well, I've been praying as well. And I really think God's telling us that that last 20% is the step of faith that represents the step of faith that God wants us to take. And, you know, since we've been here, God's been filling in that 20% every day. Things will come up, things will happen, and I just think, wow, God wired me up two years ago for this situation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, been really fulfilling. I mean, maybe you could tell us, I'd be very curious myself exactly, what is kind of the vision for the Internet campus? You had some experience even before you kind of came here connecting people in Melbourne. Yeah, um, we, there's a group that uh, meet in Melbourne at the moment. There's a, a group of about uh, 20 adults who get together, and, and we used to all listen to the podcast individually, and uh, now we get together, and we've become a small group of Liquid, and uh, we get together every Sunday, or we, we did get together every Sunday. In fact, they're probably listening right now. Should we say hello to them? This. Let's say hello to Melbourne. Hey, everybody. Melbourne. We're glad you're here. Hey, guys. Thank you for Dave and Meg. <laughs> um, and, you know, the Internet campus is just an extension of that. Um, there are thousands upon thousands of people who listen to what happens here every single week. And what the Internet campus is about is connecting those people who are, you know, vibing with what is happening at Liquid virtually, connecting them into community so that they do church together right. in reality. Okay. And, you know, there's a great opportunity for everybody here to get involved on the ground floor of a really exciting ministry opportunity. We need people we need people to help. If you've got broadcasting, technical, internet experience, we'd love I'd love to have a chat with you and we can get you connected in working in that. Maybe you're not that tech savvy, but you like greeting people, you like sending emails and stuff like that. Well we can get you connected by emailing and praying for people online, live 
online, you know, for somebody who might be in Brazil. Right. Um, and so it's just a great opportunity to get connected and, and to get serving. So let me ask you this. I mean, you guys just got here, but what would be your one prayer for Meg and your girls? Um, my one prayer for me is that I find a hairdresser while I'm over here. Um, so if you know... I, I, I know somebody. Yeah, I might avoid him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, for, for my family, the, the yeah. prayers that we get, one prayer would be that we get settled and that God uses this time, this season, to help us to grow and mature and that we keep listening to him. How about for the Internet campus? For the Internet campus, that uh, my prayer is that all the people around the world who are connected online will get connected in community in reality. In person. In person. And that um, as a result of that, Liquid's impact will not just be in Morristown, not just be in New Jersey, not just be in the States, but will be worldwide under one banner. You are the answer to our prayer. We pray connect the dots. Here they are. Can we thank Dave and welcome the Adamsons into our church family? Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. They're going to be at the door uh, after the service. Just make, you know, welcome them. I mean, especially if you want to get involved, again, in the ground floor of this. We're very excited. And Dave's just starting to build a team, so he, you might be the answer to his prayer. Nine months ago, my prayer was very inarticulate. It was just simply, Father, connect the dots. If you want a memory verse for this week, it would be Matthew 6, 8. Your Father, Jesus said, knows what you need even before you ask him, before it even hit my radar nine months ago, that's the time of gestation of a child. God knew what our church would need to lead us forward to our full redemptive potential. I mean, he had the absence picked out before we ever emailed or Skyped. And notice that word is need, it's not want. But God has good and perfect gifts, Abba, to help us grow in our love for him and for one another. So what will you write on your card right now? We're going to have you come forward. Everyone's going to come forward during our closing worship song. We're actually going to be putting these up there. It could be, it doesn't have to be as profound as like moving across the country. It could be even something that's small that you sense in your spirit. Maybe you've never even spoken these to anyone. The Hebrews had an amazing thing called breath prayer, and it was the unspoken kind of prayer that's deep in your soul and you lack the words. We're told in Romans 8.26, it actually says, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. The Spirit does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans, those deep cries of your heart. What do you inwardly groan or ache or long for? If you knew for certain a father who is completely trustworthy was listening, what would be your one prayer? Maybe you haven't talked to God in a while. Maybe you even like doubt, like, well, this is going to mean anything. But this is a step of faith. In fact, this whole month of June is really about coming together with thousands of believers across the world, uniting and praying together and praying for one another. We're going to start that next week. But today we want to start simple with one prayer yours. What is it? I want to just take a moment just for silence. Let's just kind of take a moment to be quiet. You can write on there whatever you want. If you want to sign your name, you want to put your initials, you could leave it anonymous. But you write out your one prayer. Want it be from your heart, and then we're going to come together and present our needs to our Father together.
Father, we thank you for being the kind of Father who so many of us have longed for, even though we've never had. Father, these are your children. We're your children tonight. This will literally be over 1,000 prayers that we are bringing forward to you as an act of faith. Father, we believe, help our unbelief. But I pray right now that even you would surface in people's spirits, Lord, the deepest cry of their heart, that you'd actually even just kind of slough away the selfish and self-centered motives that we have for asking things and even reveal what it is that we most need. Lord, it's you. Our pray as we come forward that you would seal this moment even for some people, be the start of something, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe months or year or years from now. They would remember this moment that they trusted you as their good and loving daddy. We thank you so much for your son Jesus who makes this possible, for salvation through Jesus, for your spirit who intercedes for us. We live to love you, Father. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.